Well, we're in Matthew chapter 14 as we're continuing to look at the life of Christ and close encounters with uh, Jesus. If you're if you're a family here and you've got children in heat wave uh, during this service, they are studying the same text that we are. So you can go home and ask them questions about what they've learned and uh, and vice versa. But uh, as we look at this text this morning. Uh, in Matthew 14, you need to kind of understand where, what the context is here. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. This, this, uh, this text we're looking at this morning, it comes on the heels of Jesus, uh, having fed the 5,000. It wasn't 5,000, the Bible says 5,000 men, but when you count the women and children, it could have been 20, 25,000 people that Jesus fed with uh, a little boy's lunch. And so, uh, you know, these people are following, they're, they're just, uh, they're gravitating to Jesus, but they're gravitating to Him for all the wrong reasons. That it's not registering in their hearts and minds as to why Jesus came. Um, and so when they see Jesus and what He just did, they're thinking, man, if we follow this guy, he's going to provide for our every need physically. He's going to be our gravy train. He's going to pull food out of the sky and feed us every single day. And so they're just following Jesus for his own, their own personal needs. And even the disciples were not uh, registering. It wasn't registering with the disciples as to why Jesus came. They just wanted Jesus to rule and reign uh, and conquer the Romans, and they would just he, they would just live under His authority in an earthly kingdom there uh, and and then. But uh, you have a couple of verses, I believe, in your outline, John chapter six, verse fifteen, and uh, so before we read verse. Uh, in, in Matthew, let me just read uh, John chapter 6, because John chapter 6 is kind of the next day. Well, just before the next day. <clears throat> but after Jesus had fed the 5,000. And this is what the Bible, uh, Bible says in uh, verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This was right after Jesus had fed uh, the 5,000. But let me point out chapter um, Mark chapter 6, because Mark chapter 6 is the same text, uh, same story that we're looking at this morning. But it says something... Um, of the disciples' mindset uh, following the having fed Jesus having fed the five thousand <clears throat> and verse fifty one says or fifty two says for they did not understand about well let me read verse fifty one and he got into the boat this is Jesus getting into the boat after um, he's he's cal- calmed the storm. Um, and, and says, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. They had watched Jesus feed 
20, 25,000 people with a little boy's lunch. And following that miracle, the Bible says their hearts were hardened. They didn't comprehend the loaves. Jesus wanted them to see that he was the bread of life. He was to be their all in all. But they couldn't comprehend that. Things were not registering with the disciples. And so the Bible, so with that in mind, let's read Matthew chapter 14. Beginning with verse 22. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So Jesus has fed the 5,000. And uh, following that, Jesus knows what's in the hearts of those whom he's just fed. He knows what's in the hearts of the disciples. And the Bible says in verse 13 that he commanded them. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. It wasn't a suggestion. He commanded the disciples to get in the boat. And... uh, and we're going to get to why he made them get into, into the boat uh, in just a moment. But not only did the disciples have to get in the boat, but uh, he dismissed the crowd. Can you imagine dismissing a crowd of twenty to 25,000 people? I mean, it's, it, it has been a, a hectic day. Uh, but Jesus needed to be alone, and he dismissed the crowd, and he knew what was in the crowd's heart, hearts, that they wanted to make him king. Um, but Jesus needed to be alone. And so the Bible says that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. So the disciples are out in the water. 
crowd's gone. Jesus is up on a mountain and he's praying. What is he praying about? We don't know. We can only speculate. But I would imagine one of the things that Jesus was praying about was the next day. Because he knew that the crowd was going to be coming back and expecting breakfast the next day. And he was going to have a very strong message for them. And so I'm sure he was praying about, you know, what he was going to say. And God speaking through him. But this was a burden on his heart. But I think another reason why Jesus got alone to pray, or what he was praying about, was probably was the disciples. Because he knew the hardness of their heart. It wasn't registering in their minds and hearts as to who Jesus is. And so he was praying about their attitude. <clears throat> So while Jesus was praying on the mountain, the disciples were out in the water. Jesus had purposefully sent them out on the Sea of Galilee. He purposefully sent them into a storm. And one of the reasons why he sent them into the storm is because he wanted to kind of cultivate their heart because their heart had been hardened. You know, we all go through storms. And there are two types of storms that happen in our lives. One storm is the storm of correction. You know, when we are out of God's will, we're running from God, and we know what those storms are. We've all been in those storms, but we can see one of those stories in the life of Jonah. God told Jonah to do something, and Jonah did the exact opposite. And God sent a storm to get Jonah's attention. So there's storms of correction, but there are also the storms of sanctification. Sanctification, where God wants to mature us, to teach us something new about who God is and who he wants to be in our life. And that's where the disciples are. The disciples are obeying Jesus. Jesus commanded them, forced them to get in the boat. And they they obeyed. They got into the boat and they launched out into the sea to go to uh, Bethsaida. But while they were on the Sea of Galilee, there was a storm that took place. I just want you to imagine the scene. Jesus is on a mountain. He's praying. The disciples are out on the sea. And they are going to be out on the sea for a very long time. The Bible said, as we look at our text this morning, the Bible says that Jesus comes uh, in the fourth watch of the night. So they had to have launched uh, while it was still daylight. They probably at least launched uh, six o'clock in the evening. They've had, they've had dinner, okay? And Jesus tells them to go. That's the first watch. The first watch is six, uh, 6 to 9 p.m. The second watch is 9 to 12 p.m. 
The third watch is 12 to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch is 3 to 6 a.m. The Bible says the disciples are on the sea and it's in the fourth watch of the night that Jesus comes walking on the water to the disciples. I mean, they are struggling. And this is a storm that's a lot different from the last storm. If you go back to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4, they were in another storm. But Jesus was in the boat during that storm. But Jesus isn't in the boat this time. Jesus is on a mountaintop praying. And they have been in the storm for eight or nine hours at least. And they are taking on water big time. And there, there is fear in their hearts that they're, they're most likely going to capsize. What is Jesus wanting to tell us in this passage of scripture this morning? What did he want the disciples to know? And what does he want us to know when Jesus isn't in our boat? And maybe you're here this morning and you're in a storm. And you don't feel like Jesus is in your boat. What does he want you to know? Four things I want to share with you this morning. Number one is this. When you can't see Jesus... Jesus sees you. They were out there on the Sea of Galilee. It had grown dark. Uh, They couldn't see uh, the shoreline. They had drifted far from the shoreline. But you know what? Jesus is on a bluff or a mountain. And I don't know if you've... When you get on a mountain, when you get above things... You, you can see the horizon. You can see what's going on. Yesterday when we were hiking, you know, we got up above the tree line and it was gorgeous. And we saw lakes that, you know, you couldn't see when you were in and amongst the trees. But when you get up high, you can, see, there is a unbelievable panoramic view. And this was Jesus' view as he was looking over the Sea of Galilee. When you can't see Jesus, Jesus sees you. And as he was watching the disciples, he was praying for them. And just understand that Jesus was orchestrating all of this. When he told them to get in the boat... He knew that there was going to be a storm. And Jesus has watched them struggle for three watches. He didn't come in the first, second, or third watch. He waited until the deepest, darkest period of the night. You ever wake up? Three, four o'clock in the morning, your heart's going pitter-pat, pitter-pat. You know what you're anticipating tomorrow, what you think you're anticipating. You've got all these vain imaginations going through your head. You're in that fourth watch. You can't see Jesus. 
Jesus wants us to know from this text, he sees you. The second thing he wants us to know is that he's praying for you. He was up on that mountain praying. Praying about what he was going to say tomorrow, but praying for his disciples as they were struggling for their life. Praying what? Praying that they would be men of faith. That they would believe Jesus. That they would see Jesus for who he, who he really is. You know, the Bible says that they were, they were way off course because of the storm that they were encountering. I mean, they were, they were oaring, but they don't, they didn't know where they were oaring. They were just lost and sinking fast. And Jesus was praying. You know what? Jesus prays for us. He sees you. He knows exactly where you are, and he's praying for you. And what is he praying? Well, let's look at a few verses. Luke chapter 22. Um, the conversation that Jesus had with uh, Peter. Peter said that uh, he would never de- deny Jesus in a moment of pride. And Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all Sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's praying for our faith. That we would believe him, no matter what the circumstances might be. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 talks about how we are heirs of, uh, of, of Christ and that uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God when God saves us he, he saves us completely he holds us he keeps us and this is what it says in verse 34 and then who then is the one who condemns no one Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's interceding for you. He sees you. He's praying for you. And Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, He always lives to intercede for them. Always is interceding for us. Let that sink in. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're anticipating this week. But Jesus sees you. And he's praying for you. Praying for your faith. Jesus has sent these disciples into this storm because he wants to cultivate. He wants to break up their hard heart. They want, he wants them to see who he really is. And so Jesus comes in the fourth watch of the night. And the disciples are scared to death. They're scared 
of the water. I mean, this water is lapping over the side of the boat. They can't bail water fast enough. And Jesus comes walking on the water. The third thing Jesus wants us to know from this text this morning and what's going on in your life, whatever you fear, it's under Jesus. The disciples feared the water. They were going to drown from the water. And Jesus comes walking on, crushing what? The water. Jesus is bigger than the water. What they feared most. And when Jesus came walking in that storm, I I think he was as dry as the desert. I don't think he was sopping wet. I don't think any of the water affected him. I don't think the wind affected him. He came in the fourth watch of the night and he was fully in control of everything. And Jesus wanted these disciples to know that he is Lord of all. And so whatever you are afraid of this morning, Jesus wants you to know it's under his feet. He wants us to believe that. And usually, usually it takes a storm for us to get that message. The disciples didn't grasp that at the feeding of the 5,000. Their hearts were hardened when they walked away from that miracle. It's typically through storms that we learn something new about Jesus. And so here Jesus is walking on the water. The water is under his feet. And the Bible says that they all thought he was a ghost. But then Peter looked, well, let's look, let's go back to the passage. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. Peter came to the conclusion that that must be the Lord. And so he inquired, Jesus, if, if, if it's you, command me to come onto the water, out on the water to you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he began walking towards Jesus. 
Peter recognized Jesus. And Peter got it. Peter knew that Jesus was the only one who could rescue them. Imagine this scene for a minute. Peter recognizes Jesus, says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out. And so Jesus says, come. And so he puts his, he, he gets out of the boat. Can you imagine what the disciples were probably thinking at that moment? Peter, are you crazy? As they continue to bail water out of the boat, you can't walk over to Jesus. But what did Peter realize? That boat wasn't going to be his safety net. That boat wasn't going to rescue them. It was only Jesus who was going to rescue them. And Peter realized that it was safer being with Jesus out in the water than it was to be in the boat without him. And Jesus and Peter began to walk on the water because he wanted to be with Jesus. Jesus wants you to be able to walk on top of your fears. But for you to walk on top of your fears as you're going through the storms of life, you've got to get out of the boat and you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And Peter did that for a little bit. But then what happened? He started focusing on the fear again. The water. And as he started looking at the water and the fact that, oh, I'm out here. And he began to sink. He had taken his eyes off of Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter began to pray. It was a very effective, efficient prayer. It was only three words. Lord, save me. And he prayed that prayer, and the Bible says, immediately, Jesus took his hand, put it on Peter's head, and put him under the water to drown. (laughs) No, that's not what it says. He reached out, and he rescued Peter. And got him into the boat. Chastised him a little bit, bit. Peter, why did you doubt? Believe. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to believe. He is the only one who can rescue us. He is the only one who can calm the storm that's raging in our heart. He may not calm the circumstances around you, but he can, he can encourage you. He can give you peace on the inside. And he wants you to know, he wants me to know that whatever the fear, it's under Jesus' feet. He sees you. He's praying for you. It's under his feet. And then number four, no. Jesus often comes disguised in storms.
the disciples thought he was a ghost. And I want you to be encouraged in this passage of Scripture. Because uh, Jesus didn't come when they were displaying amazing faith. <laughs> they had no faith. They were, they, were, they were panicked for their lives. And Jesus comes in the fourth watch of the night when there is no faith to rescue. You don't have to be a strong, mature, growing Christian for Jesus to come. Jesus comes, uh, Jesus comes at just the right time. He wasn't tardy. Fourth watch of the night. Why did he wait so long? Why didn't he wait, do it in the first watch? He wanted them to be desperate. For them to see that it, their fear is under Jesus' feet. And the Bible says they didn't recognize him. He was a ghost. Why did they not recognize him? Well, one, they never expected Jesus to come that way. Not in their wildest dreams did they expect Jesus to come walking on the water in the storm. And then the second reason why they probably didn't recognize him is because fear has a way of blinding faith. Oftentimes when we fear we're not thinking about Jesus, we can't see Jesus. Fear has a tendency of driving out faith. They can't cohabitate together. And that's why they thought he was a ghost. Why was he teaching the disciples in this way? Through a storm? Because... It's oftentimes through storms that you and I draw closer to God. It's not in the good times. It's not in the mountain. Mountaintop experiences are wonderful. and We would love to live our life on the mountaintop, but we got to go back into the valley because that's life. It's in the valley that Jesus wants us to see him and to walk with him. And Jesus wants you to know something. He knows storms. He knew this physical storm and he was walking on top of this physical storm. Jesus knows every kind of storm. He knows death. He knows pain. He knows abuse. He knows rejection. He knows poverty, homelessness, abandonment. There's not a storm that Jesus doesn't know. And that isn't, he isn't on top of. And he's praying for you. He's coming to you. 
And he wants you to see him. And oftentimes, he comes in disguise. Think about Val Hall right now. Some of you know Val Hall. She a former member of our church. Uh, lives in, in Bakersfield now. And for several years, Val has been uh, struggling with cancer, with melanoma. And I got a call from her her daughter a couple weeks ago, Jen, letting me know that uh, Val has stage four uh, brain cancer and uh, doesn't have long to live. But she told me this about Val, and if you know Val, she always has a smile on her face. She, the cup is always half full, and she's telling, she's telling her daughter, she's telling her her, her family, it's going to be okay. And you know, with a smile on her face, you know what? That's Jesus. Showing up through Val in a storm, letting her family know that Jesus is there. Jesus, it's, it's all under control. It's underneath the feet of Jesus. And so, Jen, I mean, she's a teacher and she has this time off so that she can get her mom to uh, radiation and chemotherapy treatments right now. And in the middle of this storm, Jen says she's at peace. Because her mom is trusting Jesus and, and her mom is encouraging Jen to trust Jesus. And Jesus is ministering to Jen through her mother in the midst of a storm. And she recognizes that. I'm sorry, somehow I lost my spot. How many of you have gone through a traumatic storm in your life and you found Jesus in the middle of that storm? And it has transformed your life, yes. For some of you, I know your stories. Don't let fear blind you from seeing Jesus in your storm. He sees you. He's praying for you. It's under his feet. And he's coming. He is coming. Oh, we wish it was the first watch. (laughs) Maybe the second watch. Surely not the third watch. Oftentimes, it's in the deepest, darkest of the night. Why does he wait? Because he wants you to know and see how powerful he is. 
And when that happened, in Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says, And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Their hearts weren't hardened anymore. They saw Jesus, who he really was. Now it's the next day. John chapter 6. You know, I mentioned to you that uh, Jesus was praying about uh, what he was going to say to all those he had just fed the day before. And, um, and they came. Here they were. And they wanted breakfast. Jesus didn't give them breakfast that morning. Jesus shared a message. And in John chapter 6, let me just read some of what uh, Jesus said, said to them. John chapter 6. Look at verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us, give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said some very hard things. Was Jesus referring to cannibalism? That we had to eat his flesh and drink his blood? No. The bottom line of the message is, you know, don't look for your daily bread. Don't depend on your daily bread, your daily sustenance and what the world has to offer. You need to be looking to me. I need to be your all in all. And that's what the message he was trying to convey when he fed the 20,000 people, that he is the bread of life. You come to him for your life and your sustenance. And then in verse, look at verse 66 of John chapter 6. And after he, he'd gotten through with the sermon, verse 66, one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. After this... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. All those who had shown up for breakfast, Jesus says, I've got to be your all in all if you're going to follow me, follow me. And they all turned away. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. How did they come to that conclusion? It wasn't 
because of the feeding of the 5,000. It was a storm that they had just been through. And it was registering in their minds. Were they completely there? No. But Jesus wants to grow you through the storms of sanctification. Jesus sees you. He's praying for you. Whatever you fear, it's under his feet. And he's coming. Often disguised in a storm. Let's pray. What are you fearing right now? I have some fears. I'm anxious about this week. But Jesus knows what this week holds. And through this text this morning, Jesus is telling me it's under his feet. What are you afraid of? Would you just cry out to him? Jesus, save me. A very simple prayer. And as you look to Jesus, he will give you the strength and the, the, the power to walk on top of those fears. But it's Jesus, it's not you. Thank you, Jesus, that you understand our fears. And God, you came to the disciples when they were struggling most, never imagining that, God, that you were going to be walking on water in that storm, but you came when we were at our weakest, our absolute worst. Jesus, you died for us. You forgave us. Whatever your children are going through this morning, God, I pray that they would cry out to you. And that, God, that you would raise them up. Lord, if there's one here today without a relationship with you, God, may they come to know you. And maybe they're in a storm. And this storm is there, Father, for you to show them that only you can rescue, only you can save. God, may their prayer be to believe that you are the Son of God, the the only Holy One. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we have to see you in your word this morning, to believe you and know that you're there. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation.
just as I am without one plea. We want to encourage you that if you need a pastor, elder to pray with you this morning, that you take advantage of this opportunity by just dismissing yourself from your seat and meet one of us in the dining room. We'd love to pray with you this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today you want to have a relationship with Him, you want to invite Him into your life, we'd love to share with you today how you can know Christ. But let's stand, let's sing this song, and if God is leading you to prayer, to visit with one of us, please see us in the dining hall.